This is StoryVox, your go-to podcast for audio drama, creative interviews, and intentional life skills. Let's dive in. Hello everyone, welcome to StoryVox. This weekly podcast was created to offer life, purpose, creativity, and productivity insights to young people through quality audio dramas, creative interviews, and intentional life skills designed to inspire hope in young people and empower them to pursue life with purpose and diligence, despite the negative circumstances around them. My name is Tolu Anmi Babarinde, a physician, missionary creative, and behavioral scientist who believes that Young people can do great things with their lives. Give them wings and watch them soar. Storyvox is the official podcast of the Grand Heights Initiative, which is the hub of creative life resources for young people. Find out more on ghwings.com. I have for you a creative interview with someone who, I'd say, inspired me from the first day we met at a mutual friend's home. I'm excited to be speaking to her today because she's a classic example of a reachable mentor. She's young and she has a lot of years ahead of her, but she's well on her way on the journey of purpose and diligence. She's taking one step at a time, making the tough decisions taking the risk, and she has something important to share. She has real-time lessons from my experiences that hopefully will inspire young people listening and empower them to make decisions that lead to a fulfilling life. So today I welcome EJ. Thank you. So who is EJ? EJ Omar Agada, but I go by EJ. Uh, So EJ is, first and foremost, a child of God. I consider myself one. (laughs) And uh, a writer and a teacher. Okay. I noticed you didn't mention you being a nurse. Why? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I actually have a background in nursing. Uh, this year will be my, I believe, 20th year. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, hold on. Okay, so well, I've been an RN since 2003. Three, okay. That's so that'll 15. be 15. Wow, oh my gosh, I give myself 15. five extra years. <laughs> so 15 years um, as an RN and um, uh, struggled with it because I did not see myself as a nurse, did not see myself um, in the healthcare field. Um, but my parents, were, my dad especially, was more of to do medicine or engineering. So which is it going to be? did not care too much for physics, so I said, okay, I'll do the medicine. Uh, But along the way, I struggled with it and um, eventually found myself um, in America for college. My uncle, who was also my guardian, was more of like, okay, you're going to do medicine, and as your pre-med, we want you to do nursing, because this (laughs) is a great career path for women. You this is in high demand. You you're gonna get a job, um, and but I was just so sure that I did not want to be a nurse. I was 
um, I've struggled with it. Even having the conversation with him, and he was like, you know, we want you to do something that's lucrative. And I just struggled with that. I've, even anyone who knew me while I was in nursing school, uh, who knew me closely, uh, knew I was depressed <laughs> because I just did not want wow. to be a nurse. Uh, I was one of those nurses, nursing students that while studying my textbook, I would take a piece of paper and cover the pictures. You know, like all those gross pictures that show you of like, you know, pictures Disease, with diseases and body parts. And, and I would just cover it because I just thought it was completely like gross. Yeah. <laughs> and I would read so I could pass my exams. So wow. um, interesting. 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 Yeah, interesting beginning. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so when you um, were told to pursue that healthcare part, did you like talk to them? Did you explain? How was their response if, if you did? Yeah, no, I did. I did, and uh, even throughout nursing school, like, I was very depressed. I think even my uncle could see it, uh, that I was just not, you know, I didn't feel like this was my path. But you went ahead and enrolled in nursing school and um, came out brilliantly and got thank, a job. Thank God. And as my uncle predicted, you know, once I finished nurse college, a lot of I had a lot of job offers. Say working as a nurse, you know, about my first car, say living the good life, good life mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of getting paid, you know, stable pay, but absolutely no joy. No mm-hmm. absolutely no joy. Um, but it was good because hey I'm able to afford certain things. I'm able to buy the things I wanted. Um, so, but one thing I did uh, do for myself while in nursing school is I just figured out the system that I liked the most and it happened to be card, uh, cardiology, the okay. heart. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, this is something I'm going, I love. I love how the, this body system works. So I think maybe it will be better for me if I work in an area that focuses on that. So I did, you know, cardiac ICU, cardiac intermediate care, you know, taking care of um, patients post-surgery, and then eventually moved to the cath lab. Um, And as I progressed, I did, especially like moving to the cath lab, for example, it was, was of course, outpatient. So patients came in and out, so I didn't have to stay as long with them, but the joy wasn't there. But one Mm. thing I noticed, though, was that, you know, with my manager, at the time, I would help her do other things, like I helped with the education committee for my unit. I, you know, did um, quality stuff, like reviewing data with her. Uh, so this was stuff that I wasn't getting paid for, but I was enjoying doing, doing them. Yeah. And um, eventually, you know, with my later experience, you know, pulling data and stuff, I ended up, I got to apply for a job in quality and risk management and compliance. Now this is more of an office job, so I had, an, I was in an office. I got to dress, you know, cute. Okay. <laughs> not in scrubs. Not in scrubs. Okay. You know, and so there was less patient contact, mm. and this was supposed to be great. Uh, I, I did start enjoying the job, but I noticed that every time I would walk into the hospital, this I would just and the hospital buildings, you know, here are huge buildings. So you walk into this, it's huge. So you're supposed to feel like you're walking into like this huge box. But I always, there was this claustrophobia. Like into my walk into the hospital, it just felt like I was being boxed in. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a way out of this, you know. Didn't quite know it. Um, 
start doing some consultant you know got start doing some consult consultant work mm. you know say having clients um, most of them were in home health agencies and I did like compliance work for them looking at their paperwork and things like that um, now I was really making money I mean I was you know pulling um, in <laughs> pulling in six figures wow. so <laughs> You know, this was this was good. Now, so right? six figures, but still you were feeling boxed in. Still feeling you boxed in. Yes, even with my sport car. I mean, it was I had a nice two-door coupe. Wow! Uh, every every young person's <laughs> dream. Exactly right. <laughs> Horsepower was amped and had this really nice apartment. You know, my window, my view was downtown skyline. I would wow. eat breakfast in the morning, looking out the window. Um, I never closed that window because I always loved that view. But there was just something, something that was missing, something mm. that was just not right. I could buy any amount of shoes. I could buy as many shoes as I wanted, clothes, but there was something missing. Mm. Um, so what was the turning point for you? Was it a series of um, experiences that made you make a decision to take a few steps back from clinical nursing or it was an aha moment like okay yes I'm walking out well actually so something happened I started doing this thing where I meditate um, so I said med- I would meditate in the morning but I read some article I can't remember the title but it had something to do with um, the idea of and it was a Christian article because it had to do with the idea of us praying, the idea of prayer mm. so we're constantly praying and in the process of prayer we're constantly talking to God but a lot of us don't take the time to actually listen and mm. pay attention to what he's saying, you know. Because mm, yeah, if we consider we him, so our, yeah, because if we consider mm-hmm. him as our father, mm. then it's a, it's this is a it should be some kind of it should be a communicative relationship, two way relationship. He's not just constantly listening. We have to also do our part to listen. And so when I stay, I used to meditate to just meditate, which was just sit quiet and just listen. But then I asked, I started where I made it more conscious, so it became a prayer in the sense where uh, I could wake up in the morning and just kneel down and just listen. So I'm not even saying anything to God. And I would, I did this often. And one day, um, I finished doing this. I, it was a late, it was a day I worked late that night and woke up late the next morning. So. I had a late start for the day, and as I was getting ready to start my day, I heard something about, you know, I want you to join the Peace Corps. Mm. Okay, so maybe I've heard about the Peace Corps in passing, but um, I never really, I didn't really have a clue what it was about. Um, I remember that I <laughs> wanted to join the Peace Corps also. Okay. When I just came to the country, but I realized that it was only for citizens of the U.S. Because I was quite interested um, in that adventure. I wanted to have that experience, but I was actually interested um, in hearing more when I learned that you you had that, you know, knowing that you (laughs) wanted to join the Peace Corps, but the whole struggle and also yeah no it was it was a huge huge struggle because you know i i go on the website i'm researching and this isn't about like doing it for you know for two for 27 months and i'm reading those things that's a long time that's a long time and then i'm looking at the pictures and certain things are you know about like transportation like you're riding your bike because you have to go for miles in this unknown area the roads are uneven 
bathroom, you're using an outhouse. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that is. It's not, it's not sophisticated on any level. Wow. Um, and so this just did not seem like me because I am this person where everything has to be tidy. Mm. Uh, I like my things pretty and clean. If I take this, if I move some, if I take something out of a box, I'm going to put it back in the box More where like it was. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so obsessive in a sense. Mm. Yeah. And so, so this did not look like a, a scene that I wanted anything to do with. What you started describing reminds me of. Um, I think I read a book by Jeff Goins, and the title of the book was Wrecked. Mm -hmm. And the idea I had in mind was when passion or when purpose slams into your comfortable life. And it, it reminds me that that was probably what you were experiencing. You were comfortable, you had six figures, a house, a car, everything was going fine, going you know, fine. financially. And then yeah. you had this, okay, go to Peace Corps. Go to Peace Corps. Sounds um, like you were wrecked at that point. It's, yes, because because the truth is, I had these things, but I don't think there was no. No, I don't think because looking back now, there was no internal joy. Mm. Uh, that feeling of purpose, you know, it was just me doing this paperwork, moving on with this pushing paperwork, paperwork, you know. So there was no passion. I, I didn't feel like there was a purpose to it. Uh, there was not. It wasn't something I looked forward to doing in the morning, mm. uh, waking up in the day and starting my day. It wasn't something I looked forward to. Um, but um, through bickering, going back and forth with the thoughts, and it was, the message just was very clear that I needed to do this. Um, this was where I needed to be. And so before this happened, actually, I started this journey of you know reading a lot of books and wanting to get into women empowerment. So it was mm. just I, so I had volunteered with like um, what's it called the Houston area women's. Uh, okay. Center and um, Dress for Success, which is an organization for women as well. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of on that path, but it was like a side side thing. Mm -hmm. Something I did mm -hmm. on the side to give me some kind of joy, mm -hmm. you know. It appeared to me like while you were on your day job, which you were making money but not fulfilled, any glimpse of purpose or passion you could latch onto, you did. Yeah, I did. You yeah, know, so until the final... Juice. Or the last, the straw that finally broke the which is just like okay. that message coming and being very mm -hmm. clear that this is what I need to do. And um, I remember getting to, you know, fast forward, you know, few a year later, uh, being applied, you know, after being stolen and just dragging my feet, I eventually, you know, had to do what I needed to do, and you know, it was to be obedient. And uh, when I applied, got through the process, was posted to my first choice, which is Madagascar. Mm. Uh, I remember getting to Madagascar and saying, whoa, this is not it. Did I just do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, why am I really here? Like, this wow. is not making any sense because everything about life as I knew it was just like over. Mm -hmm. um, I'm living in this rural area. I have to learn this language because I don't speak English. Uh, Madagascar was colonized by the French, so they speak French. And French is the official, official language along with Malagasy, which is their local language. And I remember having to learn that language, you know, Malagasy, because we were going to be living in the rural area. So the main focus was to learn Malagasy. And I just remember it, it being a huge, huge challenge. There were days 
Um, I would go home, you know, in my room because you lived with a host family, and the idea was so that you could. And this host family don't speak English; they only speak wow. Malagasy. So the idea is because you learn the language, you ha- you're forced to, to use it with them. to converse yes. with them to get better. And I remember times when I just felt like I, I'm not. In- I, I don't understand this food. You know, I had to eat rice. They don't use, you know, you know, with the Nigerian culture, we eat rice and stew, some mm. kind of sauce. But they eat rice just like that. With you know, wow. one time I had like fried fish, you know, this little baby fish, the crunchy fish, and you know, so I'm just like, I don't get the food. I don't understand this culture. What am I doing here? And, and I cried. Could you go back? <laughs> yes, I could actually. But you didn't. I didn't because I was just like. Because something in the back of my mind, I knew I could go back. I had the option to go back. I was having this challenge, but I just, for some reason, I just knew that I was supposed to be there. Mm. And so this is this is this is. I felt like this is a hurdle. This is a challenge. God is putting me through this test. And if I go back, then I, I'm going to go back to square one because I feel like I must go from point A to point B. Mm. Mm. And that's point B. At my, that point in my life is the next level, so I cannot get to point C. Even if I'm looking at my life and where I want to go to, and feel like maybe I need to get to Z. Yes, I can see where Z, what Z is all about, and that's where I want to go. But I have to go from get from A, A to, B. to B first, okay. and then from B to C, and you know keep climbing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I, God was saying this is your way to point B, and I said you know what this is too hard, I'm going to go back and go back to point A. Then that's when we need to stay all until I'm ready to. When God says, "Are you ready again?" Then <laughs> yeah. you're still going to have to get to point B mm-hmm. before C no and yeah. all that. So. So um, you stayed in Malag- so Madagascar. Yes, I stayed in with Madagascar. the Malagasy people. Because I read a lot of books growing up. I read a book about the Malagasy people and rice. Mm-hmm. So I knew that okay, there was something about rice and Madagascar. <laughs> so they had so rice, rice like <laughs> rice breakfast, with, wow. lunch. Dinner, rice, wow. rice, 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 rice. Wow. Even you know, in the, in the where I lived, like I was surrounded by mountains and rice fields. Wow. Yeah, everywhere. That's a good scenery, but maybe yeah. not so interesting <laughs> in terms of food options. Yeah, well, it was very beautiful, very peaceful, very peaceful. Um, especially my community, very peaceful community. Um, and it went. It was interesting how the journey progressed because it went from me crying, uh, feeling sad, feeling constantly asking myself, "Why am I here? What is this all about?" Um, till me getting to a point where, but when I got to that point, I didn't quite know it. It was like later in hindsight, looking back, and I, I found that there was there was a time where, because when I first got there, I had 27 months, and every day I would mark off a day on the calendar. Like today is day one over. I'll check out. I'll cross it out on my calendar, and then when one month is done, I'll cross out one month. And it got to a point where I fo- I stopped because I I forgot about it because I started like, you know, it's like when you're learning how to walk, and one day you just wake up and you're no longer using your walker or mm. anything. You, know, you just you find that you're able to take steps. You're able to integrate into the culture. Yes, things and like the that. Experience. Yes, yeah. and then somehow purpose. Found me because you know before you know it I got in touch with yes I'm, I was a, I was there as a health volunteer okay. because of my background in healthcare and I was working with a clinic lived on the on the clinical on the on the compound okay. and um, somehow 
before you know it, I got connected with this teacher. She's an English. She's an English teacher. She speaks English a little, you know, quite well. And um, before you know it, we, we set connecting. And I told her about my love for, you know, female empowerment and development. Wanting to start a girls' club. Uh, wow. So we said, okay, we're going to start. This is the things we're going to need. We need. I wanted girls, teenage girls, early teens. Um, and let's start with this number ten and see how it goes. And so she started trying to put it together. She talked to girls in the community. Um, we meet up just to see where we were. And next thing, she was like, okay, well, boys want to join. Wow. And I said, <laughs> no boys. <laughs> no boys. <laughs> girls club. And she said, okay, well, but the boys really want to join. This is they're interested in learning English. Um, so I said, okay, let me think about it. Well, um, the day I was supposed to think about it, they all just kind of showed up, and mm. I just said to myself, they, and they came on their bikes. So mm-hmm. that that so when they bring God, when people ride bikes, it usually means they came from a far distance, mm. um, and which I did find out that they did. They lived kilometers away from the the clinic premises where I was holding the the club. And I just said, I just couldn't say no to them. I said, you know, hey, if you were determined enough to make to you know to make the journey, then, then why not? Then why not? That shows me you're serious. And I never regretted it because it turned out to be a blessing. Uh, this, this, the kids, all of them, the girls and the boys, they just needed a space where they could express themselves, okay. be creative, interact. And funny enough, I thought I when I started the club, it was just something I wanted to do. Let me do this for my community. You know, let me do this for the world. But then it turns out that I I feel like I actually even got more from them. Okay. Because they they challenged me um, to to think. You know, mm. because they would challenge. You know, ask me questions that would cause me to think. Or the way they would interact with me, or the things they wanted to do, we eventually became a formed a dance group. Uh, I used to da- I danced with the girls, which is a part of our extracurricular activity after oh, English, cl- English class. classes. Okay. Yeah, uh, did uh, song and dance with the with the boys. The boys would come in during the song and dance, uh, you know, session. But it just became this atmosphere where we were just all. I, I wouldn't say the word swimming in joy, but it was just like this constant happy, Exciting, happy place that they all looked yeah. forward to. Wow. But it's funny things that you would think they looked forward to it, but I looked forward to it more. It was just like, mm. this is all oh, we're going to, I'm going to meet with my, my students, students. Wow. my kids. This, we're gonna, this is what we're going to do. So from, from a comfortable life in <laughs> the U.S., as a nurse, you went to serve with the Peace Corps mm-hmm. and... Um, you were stationed as a health educator, but got into teaching English, teaching dance, mm-hmm. female empowerment. So, and then you went with the intention of helping others, but you, you were helped also greatly, you know. greatly, greatly helped because um, let me use that same phrase of you know swimming in joy. Then with that, when that say happening, nothing else, nothing else really mattered. And mm. it was just more of um, how can I be better for them? How can I, uh, how can I serve them better? Mm. And it, that gave me joy. And so nothing else, like the material stuff, started to matter less. Mm. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't looking forward to my clothes or my shoes in America. As a matter of fact, I actually had a, one pair of uh, 
sneakers. Yeah, you told you know. me that. <laughs> yeah. From, I know a typical lady will have like. Oh no, I had 12, about no, I've had a, no, I had about fifty. Wow. Fifty pairs of shoes, <laughs> if not more. Wow, not that's, more. that's a lot. Yeah, to if not more till one to one. I mean, I had like maybe about three pairs with me there, but it was just uh, this where one pair of snickers, uh, snickers just, I just did it. Like I was just like. So you were content with that. With that, and I just did not need anything else. Like it was just because I had something else I was looking forward to. Something mm. else mattered more, and that was you know my kids. Wow. Wow, yeah. that's 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 really wonderful. And were you paid with the Peace Corps? Oh no, no. Actually, so the Peace Corps gives you what they call a stipend. Okay. And the stipend is supposed to cover your food and transportation within the country. Okay. Uh, so depending on how well you manage it, it can go a long way. Um, but I, I, so I just noticed that there were people who had more needs around me. You wouldn't help, but you know, because you start getting to the lives of people, and uh, there were people with more needs around me who were living with way less than this $150 that I thought. Because before I left from America, I was like, okay, guys, just see me as I am, because when I come back, <laughs> when I recognize me, like I'm going to, I know I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to come back looking very skinny, and you know. Emaciated, but it was interesting because that $150 was more than enough. Mm. And I don't know if it's because of this principle that I apply, but I gave more. I was given, like, you know, like I would I could go to the market, buy stuff for myself, maybe buy food for my neighbors and buy, like, buy them groceries as well. But like, for, for whatever reason, that money just never finished. Like, mm. I would always have enough money. Um, I was able to travel to different parts because I lived in the highlands which is you know where the mountains are so it's like okay. the colder region is more central center the center of Madagascar okay. so I was able to visit the coastal areas I went to the north south east and west on this monthly $150 wow and, uh, and then was even able to build two two water systems we built two boreholes with one of my local engineers we built one by our clinic and one by the commune Wow. All from this money. <laughs> stipend. Wow. This that's, stipend. That's awesome. That was supposed to feed me and would not be enough. Wow. So, um, so you were you were really having the, the time of your life. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> which I was not expecting yeah. to have. I was wow, supposed to go and suffer for 27 months. But it turned out to be um, so amazing because I was living in abundance, but the kind of abundance that um, money could not buy. Mm. So... You pursued that which you felt to be your passion, and you you ended up being fulfilled and joyful, Great. even though you were not at that time earning as much as you used to earn. Mm. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. What was your most memorable moment through all the experience? Hmm. Okay, that's, that's kind of a. <sighs> Okay, that's kind of a difficult question because there were so many, so many mm. great moments I had. Um, but I guess I could use this one because this happened actually towards the end of my my, my journey, or should I say adventure in Madagascar. Um, I remember I was supposed to leave on a weekday, Tuesday, um, Tuesday early morning. The bus was supposed to come in about like 2 a.m. Uh, to come get me. And... Um, 
I remember the day before meeting with all of my students, their moms, like some family members came in, we all said our goodbyes, cried, all that good stuff. You know, felt like I was done with that part. So 2 a.m. the next day, the bus comes by to my compound, honks their horn. So of course the plan was that my host mom, my host family will come out and help me get my stuff into the bus. So my host mom comes in, my host dad, they're helping me carry my heavy bags out. And um, the next thing, you know, we're, walk, we're coming out in the dark because it's dark, there's no, there's no street lights, so it's, it's okay. dark. And one of the students, I see, no, I, I see a shadow moving. And I'm like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> and next thing, like a face comes out and I'm like, that's one of my students. And next thing, another face, another face, like they all came out wow. to say to say goodbye. goodbye. Awesome. And I was just like so sad because of course now they, they're like, you know, like, I oh, just want to hug you one more time before you left. And I just stayed crying wow. and they're crying. And the bus are looking at us like, what's going on here? Um, but I think that moment stuck with me, like, because even now as I talk to you about it, I can remember it. Like, I remember, always remember that feeling, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just feeling like, wow. Um, so they sort of loved me as much as I did love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though it was, you were a little bit reluctant to go initially. Now you're reluctant to leave. <laughs> in that irony, like I was very reluctant to leave. Wow. So sad, very sad. Sometimes when you are stuck in a place that is not your passion, you might be making a lot of money, but you're not happy, you're not fulfilled, you could almost be depressed. Mm -hmm. But then, the fact that you pursue passion or purpose with diligence doesn't mean that it's going to be rosy, Mm -hmm. because you face difficulties. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that you're going to be fulfilled, you're making a difference, You're, you're, you're impacting people's lives and you're happy mm-hmm. and I think the key point is um, maybe the money will come maybe the money will not come mm-hmm. maybe you will have enough to keep yourself to uh, you know pay bills and all that maybe you have more but then it's always important to make sure that whatever you do you content yeah just content that, that really, key is just being content mm-hmm. uh, being even though it's against what everybody everyone thinks is the same. What them. social media is showing you that everyone has the nicest, they have the nicest car and they're going on the, you know, the, the most amazing vacations, you know. Yeah, so. uh, it's, it's the joy because someone may not travel as much, but they feel like their life is a vacation because they feel relaxed. They feel mm. like they're doing something they want to do. They mm. feel happy where they are. And that mm. is because the whole idea of going on vacation is because you're, you know, stressed. Most people, most people's idea of vacation is you've worked, work, 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 work. You're stressed. Then now it's time to take a break from that life, go breathe some fresh air, and then come back to the stress. Um, so yeah. some people might just find that they're living their best life, their vacation life every day yeah, because yeah. they're on purpose, yes. they're doing something they're passionate about. Yeah. So today, matters. today it it appears as if pressure and expectation and stereotype is so much more today like everybody wants to compare himself with other people drive the latest cars what can you say about that to young people that are you know they're looking at their friends they're looking at people you know and they're like okay well there's something in them that i i really want to mean more i really want to do more with my life but then there's another part of them that's like okay i have to live in the biggest house. I, I have to drive this Mercedes. Mm-hmm. 
So what can you say to well, someone like that? Yeah, well, I don't think it's anything new. The only thing that is the it's the the sneer or the background changes, but I think the pattern is always the same. Because growing up as a teenager, there were stero- there were things that I wanted. Because mm. you always wanted to have, you know, you see people with the nicest car, yeah. and I think that's why models update every year. So this year's car might be the nicest, and but then but next in the next few years, it's going to be a better, nicer model. So I don't think those things change. Mm. Um, so the idea is looking for that center and just trying to stay true to yourself, to mm. always listen uh, to the voice within, um, because. The world is always going to tell you that those things matter. Those things are the most important things. Those are things you should be passionate about and live for. But you can talk. But by the time you start talking to people, uh, and that's why it's beautiful and it's a great idea to always have mentors, mm. people who have been there, who are ahead of you, who are ahead of the game. Because in the game, because you talk to them and you see that you hear from them constantly. So people can't be lying. The money is great. It's because it makes life more convenient. Mm. But if it's without the substance, the things that matter, your nice car—it's、uh, not going to mean anything. If、mm. at the end of the day you come into a house, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're miserable. And there's always this void that maybe my, my life should mean more.、Mm-hmm. Maybe I should be doing more. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. So、um, you're right. You have a blog. <laughs> I've checked your blog, and、um, <laughs> it's one of those blogs that I. I would check, and I would not just close the page or close the window because、oh. it's boring. I think、oh, your writing style is—it's—it's it's real, it's—it's it's practical, it's down to earth. I don't think you write from theory. I don't think you just extract anecdotes from a book and put on your blog. You know, I'm sure you say that it's not perfect. Sure. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> okay. Why did you start the blog?、And、yes. What's the purpose for it? The purpose for it, you know, even the name. So it's forwomanity.com, and so the idea, you know, is that okay, womanity is it women focused about women. So I, I mean, I would consider myself a feminist, and the idea from that is,、um, what I learned even from reading books and interacting with other great women is that、um, is the idea of wanting to move、um, our, should I say, our gender forward. But not to the detriment of the world. So、mm-hmm. the way I f- view myself as a feminist is, how can I, as a woman, help empower and better my world, the people around me, the kids around me? So not just girls, but boys, because they are part of the world.、Um, so that was the idea behind it. Of how can I talk to other young women about me?、Um, sorry, young other young women about.、Uh, What's going on around them in the world, and using my experiences and saying,、uh, "No, you're not some Jackie Chan who's trying to kill everybody off in the movie. It's us together. So it's not me versus you. It's、mm. you. It's not female、me. versus male. Yeah, it's male it's and female. female. And so, yes, and so the idea of yeah, so the idea, yes, and so the idea of humanity is. Us women standing up, taking responsibility for ourselves. So not、mm. just sitting aside and playing the victim game. Is how can you use the gifts that are within you to、mm. empower those around you and make the world a better place? Wow.、Um, wow. So、that's, that's like, my journey. I, I think I like that <laughs> that perspective. You know, it's、yeah. not it, because if、um, most times when there's this discussion about gender and all that, I see some. Some negative 
energy coming from people and I, I feel, I, I share your opinion that it's like, okay, everyone working together to make everyone better. better. Everyone working together to uplift mm -hmm. everyone, you know. And the, the, the problem with our world today is that somebody wants to put down another person, mm -hmm. you know. And, the, so and, and by the time you're putting down, the problem with that is when you're putting down someone else, you're also putting down their gifts because you do not know what has been put in that person Even that's to supposed you, to help, help, help you and help the world. Yeah. So when you're putting someone else down, you're putting their gifts down on what they could purpose, what their purpose could be. And funny enough, most of my biggest cheerleaders in this life throughout my journey has been my father, my godfather, my uncles, you know, male friends have been my greatest cheerleaders. Mm. Uh, you know, if I have certain issues or certain decisions I want to make, they're always empowering me to take the most challenging road, like mm. do what you need to do. Mm. That's, um, that's, that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, so I know there will be more to come on the blog. There will be more articles. I, I hope so. It's a work yeah. in progress. So I, <laughs> I, every I think day. it will be a good resource for young people, young women, young men, young people generally yeah. to also look at. So, so it's for humanity dot com for humanity like humanity. Humanity. Okay. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Yeah. So what next for you? You're back from. So Madagascar, I think Madagascar. I I see you taking like a sabbatical in the U.S. or something. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, it's been a very surreal experience coming back from the life of you know without a lot of material stuff to a life of where it's I would call America like the land of convenience, land mm. of, you know everything is just plenty excess. Mm. Uh, but um, the next couple of months, I'll be heading out to China. Um, very grateful. I think that was part of when I talked about the idea of getting from point A to Z. Uh, mm. It's going from A to, to B, B to B to C, and you know, and keep moving that way. And so I feel like the next chapter in my life, um, which I'm still prayerful and still praying about it, because I've gotten an answer, I've gotten this assignment, but every day I still pray about it and saying, you know, God keep ordering my steps this is the direction you want me to go then it will be and so far it's been in the is everything has been all the doors and all the keys that needs to be unlocked all the you know the locks mm -hmm. that need to be unlocked are being open and i'm finding myself uh, heading towards china to teach <laughs> wow that's uh, interesting i'm sure <laughs> you learn a lot more you know mm -hmm. the culture change i i always like going to different um places also because of that experience i feel that the the world is like my my domain mm -hmm. so i don't want to personally i don't want to to die and then just live in one place i want to explore meet people exactly. you know explore all what god has created exactly and, uh, yeah, yes that's, that's how i see myself i feel like i'm a global citizen like i don't belong in one place exactly yeah, the world I that is, too. <laughs> the world is my home you know uh, there's this Christian song that I love that says, you know, the world is, for your world is my home and your cause is my own. Mm. So the idea of moving or moving towards in, in that direction, learning, meeting new people, meeting other, you know, other creations of God and learning their way of life mm. and, and knowing that it's not better than mine and it's not worse than mine. It's different from mine mm. and there's something that we can, I can learn and appreciate from it. So this is like more of a journey. Yes, it's yeah, a new job with exactly. him in that direction. But it's, like, it's a journey, it's like an adventure. 
Yeah, um, that's what I said. In fact, my my the the idea behind my blog is that I'm walking through uncharted terrain. I have yes. a guide, yes. God guiding me, yes. and the the pursuit of purpose. Yes. But then I don't know what is next. Exactly. But I want to leave that adventure. I want to enjoy that. Exactly. And I think that's in in the in the um, deepest um, crevices of every human. There's that longing for adventure. There's that longing for exploration, like mm. having dominion in code, like exploring the world, making it better, influencing lives, and all. So exactly. I'm really inspired by your experience. And I, yeah, I okay. think that's, I, I think that's what obedience taught me. Obedience has taught me growth. No, obedience has created growth in my life. And now it's the idea of you know, learning and knowing that he wanted to move me from that comfort zone into mm. like a, a more amazing space, space. where mm. I could even do more. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. I'm really um, inspired. And I know the listeners of this show will also be really inspired and that's the idea behind reachable mentorship. That's the idea behind these creative interviews, like sharing people's experiences on the journey of purpose yeah. so that they can inspire hope in young people. It can empower them. Some of the things we discuss might be the empowerment or the wisdom or the insight that a young person needs to take the next decision. And that's my hope for this podcast. So it's great having you around. So there's a next section that I want to ask every guest that comes to this show and I would call it lightning round. And that's where I get to ask you quick questions that you give short answers to. Okay. And so are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. So if there's a book you would recommend to a young person right now out of all the books you read. Oh my gosh. What would you say? Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'm not... That's going to be very difficult to say because I've got so many great books in my head. But, um, okay, can I, can I say more than one? Okay, yeah. <laughs> two. Okay, two. I would say uh, Homegoing by Yagyasi, which okay. is a Ghanaian author. Oh. And then the other one is The Interestings by uh, Meg Wallitzer. And it's just two great books about, of course, journey. Um, the other one, Homegoing, is more about like a, uh, it's more of a fictional, historical fiction. Okay. And the other one, and then it's interesting is a fiction, but it's about, you know, this kids and, and their life growing, how they grow up from kids to adults and the decisions they have to make in, in being comfortable and getting a stable job versus following passion and purpose mm, too. Wow. So it's a great book. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's wonderful. So, okay, next question. Do you, do you have a life quote or a scripture or something that you would say that maybe at some point in your life you heard or someone said to you that really pushed you forward? Oh my gosh, there's so, <laughs> so many. <laughs> There's so many, but uh, but I, there's this one I have, which is actually one that I made up myself, and it's always been gu- guiding me. Um, I remember one day while a ner- being a, while still nursing in the hospital, I was I just came in my shift, and I was taking a report, and I can't remember what the nurse said to me, but I said something to her, and I was like, "Where there's life, there's progress," mm-hmm. and uh, that's and for some reason that's. That came into my head, and that's always been—it's become my guiding mo- motto. Like, which is like, you know, because you, you keep 
keep moving towards moving forward. Yeah, yeah, keep moving forward. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like um, that's one thing about we humans. We we live, we make progress. We encounter challenges. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we trip. Sometimes we. But then, the most important thing is to get back up, and keep moving, moving, keep moving. Yeah. yeah. So if because even in failure, there's progress. Mm, yeah. Yes. Because you you learned something, or yeah, there's a lesson true. to be learned. True, there's something to be learned. Yeah. Okay, the next question is um, quite interesting. If um, 16-year-old EJ was to be sitting in front of you, what would you tell her? Oh my goodness, I have so much, so much to tell her. But the one important thing I would tell her is that she is beautiful. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why I just never, maybe because, you know, with the mills in my life, they were pushing me towards academia, and Mm. so it was just always focused on books, but I never really saw myself as a good-looking person, Mm. and so that led me to make certain decisions um, about, you know, my upkeep, Mm. (laughs) my physical appearance, because it was just more of trying to do what was popular, or trying Mm. to look, you know, the way that was popular, in, uh, in this society. popular society. Mm. Uh, so if I could go back to my 16-year-old self, I would say you're beautiful and read more fiction. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I read a lot of fiction growing up. Really. I read a lot of fiction. And, and I think fiction like um, takes you from your world and picks you, drops you in another world. Mm-hmm. And just allows you to explore. explore. And I, yes. I think I, I learned a lot from fiction because I remember there was a competition I had in school then in high school. And the reason why we got that answer was because I read, I learned a new word in fiction. I learned the meaning and then I asked, asked my group. If, if we had missed that question, we wouldn't have been in the finals. So that's one thing I always remember yeah. that fiction. Read books, read, read books. fiction, yes. read, read a lot. Wow, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Thank you for that. Okay. So, two more questions. Okay. Do you think the challenges young people face today is similar to what you faced as a young person, as a young teenager? Yes, completely. Yeah, so it's kind of like the idea of, I feel like it's the same challenges, the challenge to fit in. Mm. Everyone wants to, you know, you, you, it's, it's just something that happens with life. At some, you get, you start feeling that peer pressure to be a certain way, to talk a certain way. You know, depending on your desired group of people, you want to look like them, so you start doing things so that you can fit in with them. Uh, so I feel like it's the same. Whatever happened when I was in school is the same thing happening now. It's just that if, now it feels a little more um, heightened because we have social media. So the whole world is seeing it, you know, it's like mm-hmm. this world platform. But it's the same thing. It's the same challenges. We want to fit in. We want to be loved. I agree. What do you think would have helped you? One thing you think maybe if you had access to while you were growing up, while you were a teenager, would have helped you? Growing up, but from being younger, I've always had an interest in things that affected women. Okay. Um, you know, I guess maybe that's so feminism always has just been something that's been part of my life, and it wasn't something I initially asked for. Uh, it just always just I just happened to be interested in that. But I feel like if maybe I've had a, uh, a mentor who promoted that and guided me in that direction, 
that would have helped me form better ideas younger mm. uh, versus having to model through uh, what feminism was and eventually come out to where I am now and trying to you know clarify things mm. um, so the idea of mentorship mentorship was... will have been great um, I'm reading more uh, fiction because you know I, when I say fiction because I read but like it was more school for school work I did mm. literature and that was that's a lot of them were fiction but it was just the idea that it wasn't for fun like so reading for fun because um, you can have all these ideas in your head but if you're not able to articulate it then you're not able to put your get your point across mm. period mm. Uh, and you stand a greater chance of being misunderstood uh, but if you have the vocabulary and that you need to express yourself uh, then you find that you're able to you okay. do more so that mm. will be the two things I think um, that we have mm. the mentor and who and probably who knows that mentor will probably have been saying read more books <laughs> <laughs> I know so, right <laughs> you know yeah well that's 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 helpful thank you thank you very much <laughs> yeah Thank you very much. We've been having an um, interesting conversation with Ijoma Agada, a teacher, mm-hmm. a, writer, a writer, a blogger, and um, an adventurer, an adventurer, <laughs> a traveler. Okay, and she's passionate about um, women empowerment, mm-hmm. about pursuing passion and purpose in life, and um, she's had wonderful experiences, and I believe you've. Um, learned many things today so thank you very much for um, coming to the show thank you for having I me I know that maybe some someday soon we'll would come in and talk about something else maybe yeah, in your next China adventure you would have <laughs> yeah. something know, right? more to say to <laughs> us yes I, yeah. I look forward to that yeah, that that's great <laughs> this is the hub of transformative storytelling before you go do not forget to subscribe to Storybox on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any platform on which you listen to podcasts. You will also find links, show notes, and full transcript of each episode on the Grand Heights website at ghwings.com. Add this podcast to your playlist and tell a friend. Thank you for listening. See you next week.